0: HOW THE TERRIBLE DM CREATES THE MOST ANNOYING DOOM VORTEX PART 1 Let me spin you a tale of the most shockingly overbearing railroading I've ever been exposed to. Offensive, not merely in its scope, but in its cruelty and foolishness, especially for having been purported by an experienced DM and player. This was years and years ago, and ever since then, the term which I coined, midway through the second session, the DOOM VORTEX has become a term which is spoken of in sepulchral tones in reference to the worst-case scenario of any campaign. It's a long story with many stops along the way, but I promise that each of them will be as darkly entertaining to you, dear listener, as it was miserable for me to experience them. As for the characters, I came in at the beginning of the second session of what would ultimately be a three-session campaign. Playing a lawful neutral human fighter and the son of a wealthy merchant lord whose family manufactured and sold weapons and armor. Ray was my best friend, who invited me to join the game, playing an elven sorceress. The homebrew setting's cosmology had all sorcerer's powers coming from specific extraplanar elemental beings. In her case, it was from some fire spirit whose connection with her was waning, and she was on an adventure to rekindle that connection. Tinpot was the one and only warforged in this setting. Imagine the most mawkish possible version of the Iron Giant at human size and add nothing and you get this character. I would later learn that he played this character in essentially every campaign. Zap was a warlock who was a ten-year-old girl, yes, you heard that right. If there was an inbuilt character reason why she was a part of an adventuring party I never learned it, but I doubt there was. She was played by the sort of fey young man who constantly worked overtime to affect every stereotypically gay mannerism he could. And each and every time he had his character use those warlock powers to attack, he would make little finger guns and imitate this classic Simpsons bit. Every. Single. Time. And to the best of my recollection, this was the sole bit of characterization the character ever got. Doombo, the DM The DM, naturally, and villain of the story. 24 years old which will prove to be relevant at the end of the story. Running a homebrew campaign setting of his own devising. I'll let the telling of the tale inform you of everything else about him worth knowing for the sake of this story. Here's what I know about the first session. The three original player characters are gathered up by the DMPC. A character controlled by the DM is a bard named Theron who is much higher level than them, informing them of mysterious signs and portents that they would just need to trust, which would guide them to some sort of grand destiny. For Ray's character, this involved restoring the waning connection with her powers. I don't know or care what it was for the other two. They were guided to board a ship from the setting's main continent towards this crumbling and soon-to-be abandoned island. Apparently, part of the world setting's premise was that this main continent was continuously but slowly moving and in its path would come across other islands which would be colonized, mined out, and then abandoned as they collapsed into nothingness, since they're left in the wake of the departing main continent. On their way across the waters, their ship was attacked and sunk by an orc boarding party, reportedly from some other unknown land, and the characters were left to drift off at sea on the shattered remains of the boat. My character enters in the second session, and his story, as it's relevant to the campaign, is that he was dispatched by his father to investigate reports of Ten this living, walking and talking weapon, and if possible, to acquire it for study and possible replication. As his first session begins, he's on this crumbling island already, having somehow beat them there, as the others are washing up on shore. As my character arrives, both the characters and bits of salvage from the wrecked ship are being rounded up by the Imperial military, a local garrison answerable to the Emperor in charge of the main continent. As my character spots the magical metal man he was looking for amidst the salvage, he attempts to investigate, only to be told that all of the salvage, including the surviving party members, were now the property of the military having been recovered from a shipwreck. As far as I can tell, this literally meant, you washed up on a beach and we found you first, so you're now slaves forever. Which, ludicrous as it seems, actually fits rather well with the overall theme of the campaign. My character intervenes. With some fast-talking persuasion, he made the case that his father's house would like to acquire this property and that acting as his legal agent in this land, I would be happy to broker an arrangement whereby they receive some top shelf arms and armor in return for this salvage. One successful roll later, I've managed to link my character to the rest of the party. So far, so good. It's at about this point that we're attacked by a swarm of red-skinned orcs with flame powers and there's a huge battle on the beach. Apparently, these are connected with the ones who attacked and sunk the party's boat in the previous session. We win and I lead the rest of the party off from the beach, making introductions and whatnot. Fairly quickly, we come to an understanding. They have business to attend to in the interior of the island, and time is of the essence since the island only has a couple of months left before it's uninhabitable. However, they understand that I just saved them from slavery, so if I accompany them on this adventure, they'll gladly accompany me back home so that my character's father can have a look at Tinpot. At this point, we're all on the same page. The party is established. It's important to keep this in mind going forward that we as players did this on our own, without needing DM intervention. Thus endeth session 1. Session 2 starts. My character goes back to the inn, where he's been staying, and gets them rooms as well, and we spend the night sleeping there. In the morning, my character comes downstairs to have breakfast in the common room and arranges a magical courier to deliver a letter to his father, updating him on the situation as it's developed so far. I actually wrote this letter up between sessions and gave it to the DM. He has the courier teleport the letter, and a half an hour or so later, as I'm finishing my breakfast, I get a reply congratulating him on the work thus far, but cautioning him not to trust Theron, who was a prince of the realm who has been exiled. I note this going forward. My character goes back up to his room to gather his belongings, and finds that the bedroom window has been broken and his plate mail armor has been stolen. Since he'd only been gone half an hour or so, this has to have happened very recently, my character climbs out of the window and immediately begins to give chase. Over the course of the next half hour or so of play, I engage in various perception, gather information and in such roles as I make my way through town, attempting to track what is described as a very elderly man lugging my plate armor along behind him. The rest of the players are completely excluded since obviously my character didn't have the time to alert them to what was going on and all the while I was feeling both guilty for dominating the game this way and resentful towards the DM for putting me in a position where I felt I had no other option but to do so. At last, my chase comes to an end when I learn that the thief has already been arrested and taken away. The last half hour of play was entirely pointless and wasted for all concerned, at which point I gather the others to go see about reclaiming my stolen armor. We go to the offices of the local military garrison where we're told we're just going to have to wait in line to be helped. We are also told that our characters stand around in the lobby for a couple of hours before someone eventually comes to talk to us about the situation. After explaining everything, we are told that the thief has been taken away to the local wizard's tower for punishment and that my stolen armor will be in the evidence room there. Fine. As a player, I am getting more and more frustrated that my meaningless aimless he-came-down-for-breakfast-without-his-armor-on subplot is dominating everyone else's time situation, but I guess we are doing this now. We go to this wizard's tower and I'm shown to where my armor is and i am told that I'm going to have to pay a hefty fee to get it back in order to pay for the services of the guards who reclaimed it. Fine. As a player and as a character I just want this to be over with so my character hands over several gold pieces and proceeds to put his armor back on. And this is when things really start to get stupid. Surprise! I'm told that I feel a stabbing pain all over my body as my armor constricts around me. Turns out that in the half hour or so that it was stolen, a curse was laid upon it, and it's now impossible to remove. I demand to see the old man who took it, and I'm taken to his cell. It's this cackling old man who jeeringly informs me that this is revenge for something my family's noble house did to him decades ago, and that in a month or two, I'd be as old as he was, thanks to the curse on the armor, which I couldn't remove. My character is flabbergasted that this old man, apparently without there being anything very special about him, could have even done this in just half an hour. I mean, for him to point out to the jailers that he has, for all intents and purposes, just killed me, that I would be dead within months. What did they intend to do to this peasant who had dealt a lethal blow against a nobleman? Oh, people around here lay curses like this on each other all the time, they reply lazily. If we punished everyone who did something like this, we'd never have time to do anything else. We'll give him community service for the theft though, raking leaves and such. Now furious, my character tries to leverage his social standing. To insist that if this old man laid this curse, he must know something about its specifics, including how to lift it, and demand that he be compelled to help me. Well, I'm afraid he will be too busy raking leaves for that, and if you try to interfere with his sentence then you'll find yourself with the same sentence. So I suggest you leave peacefully now and not cause any trouble." My character, Furious Beyond Words, informs the rest of the party that he no longer has time for their adventure or their goals. He's going to need to return home to his father, to have him pay a wizard or cleric or someone to lift this curse. Every hour spent doing anything other than getting this curse lifted was months of his life gone. He prepared to head home empty handed, knowing his father would be disappointed, but that he would care more about the life of his son and heir than about acquiring this walking weapon, and that he could just dispatch someone else to round him up anyway. At this, Theron, the DMPC, whom my character had been told not to trust, told him that there was an elven village further inland where they would need to go to help Ray's character with her magical problems, where there were powerful spellcasters who might be willing and able to help. My character was extremely skeptical, but kept this to himself. With some persuasion, some of which was me as a player essentially metagaming here since being persuaded was the only way not to have my involvement in the campaign in then and there, I agreed to go along, knowing that I would turn my back on the rest of them at a moment's notice if this didn't pan out. They'd spend most of the day on this and evening was coming. So we agreed to set out for the village first thing in the morning. My character, I decided, would spend the evening going around to local blacksmiths to see about having the armor cut off of him. He even spent a bunch of gold on healing potions in case it was necessary to simply destroy the armor by means of acid or tongs or whatever and repair the damage to his underlying flesh. Doombo the DM decides we need to actually roleplay through this whole experience which takes another hour or so because he has to make it dramatic. At the end of the hour, my character was several gold pieces poorer and no closer to being free. Now, if I had been in his shoes, I would have just told the cursed player, you spend the evening going around to local shops, plying craftsmen and alchemists to help you, but in the end, they all inform you that it's beyond their limited means. None of them know how to deal with a curse like this. I wouldn't have wasted the other player's time for an hour on something totally futile, which they weren't even involved with and which didn't concern or impact them. Meanwhile, Ray's character had her own share of problems, which are relevant to the tale. She needed to go ask some favor from the local military commander, I think having to do with getting permission to head inland. My memory is a bit vague here, since this scene didn't involve me, but I think it had something to do with Imperial citizens being limited to the coastline in light of the need to evacuate in the near future. Whatever the case, she attempts to get this guy to do us this favor, and he demands in return that Ray's character agree to marry him. Ray is given some sort of knowledge role regarding this guy and is given the information that it's widely known that he's married something like 10 women in the past year or two, and they've all gone missing on their wedding nights, and it's only his important position which has insulated him from a murder investigation. Ray's character demurs from agreeing, and the commander makes it clear that he's not prepared to take no for an answer. The commander earnestly made the following demands, or commands, if you will. That they would be married, right there, right then, and that he could call in the military chaplain to do the honors. One charm person spell later and she'd managed to convince the newly pliable military commander to let her character go free. Naturally, she was very eager to get going to this elf village as well when we all met up again. So, we get moving in the morning. My character is furious and miserable, and along the way I ask if there are any rivers or streams in sight. Finding the answer to be affirmative, I have my character wade into the water, pointedly looking away from the party and have him piss and shit his pants because with the non-removable plate armor over him, he's physically incapable of pulling them down to do his business. I don't do this to be gross, I'm making a point of just how utterly miserable this curse is and the different dimensions of his need to be rid of it. He stands there waiting for the water soaking through his clothes to wash the filth away, as much as possible, before resuming the journey. Here's a brief recap. I, playing a human, have become trapped in a bizarre armor theft-armor hyphen curse scenario. The conniving DM keeps throwing seemingly unnecessary orders, which do nothing but waste our time. To add to the complexity, a DMPC is present, and I don't trust him. As they enter the forest, they find the remains of a battle dead elves as well as peculiar looking orcs. In fact, Doombo intoned, as though with wonder in his voice, they almost look like they're half elf. Now, he hadn't prompted any sort of perception check on my character's part to gain that insight. And I was frankly feeling a little bit annoyed with Dumbo by this point, point. and so I said, "Well, my character never had, s- well, my character had never seen those fiery red orcs on the beach before today, so he knows that this island has some exotic types of orcs that he's not aware of. He just assumes this is another type of exotic orc, and the moment he considers the half elf idea, he rejects the idea as nonsense." By this point, neither Tinpot nor Zap had made any impression on my character. He didn't see Tinpot as a person, just an animated weapon. And he'd done nothing to particularly dissuade him of this impression yet. Zap was a small child, with whom, as such, my character didn't feel the need to ever be involved in any discussion or decision making in any way. Theron, of course, he didn't trust. Thus, Ray's character was the only one who was worth talking to. My character suggests that they split up to cover more ground as they gather information about the battle that had been there. He basically asks her what she knew of Theron why she was traveling with him in an attempt to suss out if his distrust of Theron ought to extend to her. It was fairly quickly established that she had no real connection to him, and was coming not to like or trust him very much either, and so the two of them conspired to get away from him as soon as possible. At this precise moment, Doombo has Theron amble on up, asking what we were talking about. My character lies and says they were just discussing these peculiar looking orcs. Why, they look like… they're half-elf. Theron exclaims. I shrug and tell Dumbo, my character doesn't trust Theron, so he immediately rejects that premise. He's not trustworthy. Dumbo sighs miserably and mutters, I really wish I hadn't told you not to trust him. I shrug, nothing's going to change that now. We continue on to the elf village and after some preamble, exposition, and introductions, my character asks if there's anyone who's in a position to help with this curse business. He is laser focused on this, they offer to give him an amulet which will somewhat slow the aging process. This he gladly takes, but is informed that the only way to actually lift the curse is with a spell, which has, as a material component, the blood of a gold dragon. I ask Doombo what my character knows about gold dragons. He tells me they are considered entirely mythical, but, he says slyly, that I think they might have something to do with the Emperor. The Emperor, it had previously been established, lives in total seclusion and is never seen and only ever interacts with his empire through intermediaries. I immediately reply, oh, okay, got it. The Emperor is secretly a gold dragon who hides his identity by keeping himself out of sight. Dumbo is startled and flustered, replying, well, uh, not necessarily, at which point I give him my most dismissive shrug. My character decides that these elves can be of no further help to him and that he needs to seek a second opinion, which once again means going home to his father. His part in this adventure is over. Doombo has this attractive and charismatic elf woman with whom he'd been speaking about this try to persuade me to help out the rest of the party on their adventure, and maybe along the way you'll learn something which could be useful to you. Doombo then informs me that she's extremely attractive to my character and difficult to say no to. I tell him that my character isn't into elves. While he respects their personhood and gives them all the social and moral considerations as he would do any other sentient being, The idea of physical intimacy with them is off the table, in the same way as sex with a dog would be. He might recognize that one dog is prettier looking than another, but they are not humans and it would feel like bestiality to him. Their sexual charms do nothing for him. Doombo becomes flustered and attempts to insist that they are human looking enough that it shouldn't matter. Now, by this point I have become extremely frustrated with Doombo and moreover, I felt that every single thing we would experienced in the entire game session has just taken more and more freedom and choice away from us. The DM has effectively taken away more and more of our autonomy as players. I was not going to let him dictate my character's sexual tastes to me. I happened to know that Dumbo was gay, and so I asked him, have you ever just been told that you ought to feel attracted to someone, for whatever reason, despite knowing deep down that you don't? Just as a function of who you are? Perhaps recognize that she looked nice but not felt the desire to screw her in spite of it? That's how my character reacts to pretty elves. He backed down at that point, clearly annoyed, but not seeing how he could argue against it and remain intellectually honest. At which point, we were told that an alarm was going up on the edge of the village, guards sounding their horns and whatnot. Immediately, there was a clamor of action as everyone rushed to see what was going on. When we got there, we saw that military commander, who had earlier attempted to rape and kill Ray's character, was leading what was described to us as the entire military presence on the island and that they had encircled the elven community in full armor. Apparently, we were told, he considered the act of casting charm person on him to be an assault upon his person and that he was here to arrest Ray's character and anyone who harbored her would also be considered a criminal and treated accordingly. The local elves informed him that she was one of their own and that they wouldn't give her up without a fight. And this is the point where my character quit the party. I had no knowledge of her crimes and I denounced them completely, he called out. I only met her yesterday and have no connection with her or her misdeeds. I will have no part in keeping her from lawful arrest. I then stride off away from the rest of the party and towards the commander. Theron tries to call me back, saying I can't go, that he has seen signs and portents that my destiny lay with them. My character whirled on him furiously and screamed at him, Every moment since I met you people has been nothing but a grinding, horrible ordeal. Every word spoken, every decision made, has just dragged me further and further down, like I was caught in an inextricable doom vortex. I wish nothing to do with any of you. I am returning home and leave you all to your fates. Theron turns to Rey's character, who by now is slumped to the ground, crying racking ugly sobs of grief and hopelessness, urging her, You have to stop him, his destiny is intertwined with ours. Rey informs Doombo that her character completely ignores Theron, her spirit is broken, and she cannot go forward. Any decision she makes will only lead to further suffering, and that she is resigned to her fate. And that's the moment when the campaign ends with Doombo sighing miserably. Doombo says, Okay, I can see that your character is done, but I get the sense that you don't want to stop playing. I was pretty non-committal at this point and, if I'm being totally honest, feeling kind of perverse. While this had obviously been a terrible game, there was a part of me that had started to enjoy constantly derailing the relentless attempts at railroading that Dumbo was throwing in our path. This is obviously not a recipe for a healthy or sustainable game, but at that moment I was willing to entertain the possibility of playing on, just to screw with him a bit. I felt I had earned that. So, I asked him what in the hell the point of that cursed armor was. I pointed out that until the moment when I told him that my character had come downstairs without his armor on, he couldn't have known this was a possibility. So plainly, it's something he came up with on the spur of the moment and which completely derailed the rest of the game. He told us that it was to create a conflict to bring the party together, which I couldn't help but laugh disbelievingly at. We had already brought the party together, and what's more, the moment that this conflict came about, the party was torn apart as my character now had a conflict which had nothing to do with them. This conflicted with their goals and which demanded to be dealt with immediately. He asked what we would like to see going forwards to make the game more enjoyable. Ray and I agreed that we need something much more low magic, that this setting where everything is so magical that the lowliest bum on the street could cast on a whim a curse so potent that it needed the blood of secret dragon emperors to break it was just too much. Doombo got very huffy at this, saying, I have been running this setting for 10 years now and nobody else has ever had a problem with it. I did the math in my head. He was 24 years old, which meant that he had been 14 when he came up with it. That meant 8th grade. You're subjecting us, as adults, to the same bullshit you thought was cool when you were in elementary school and expected us to enjoy it, I exclaimed. He deflated at this and conceded the point. There was a great deal of additional discussion. Why did you waste an hour of everyone's time on that nonsense with me trying to get my armor cut off when you could have just told us it was impossible? I was a theater major. I like immersive roleplay. But it didn't amount to a great deal of interest. Ray and I went to a Denny's and spent the next few hours excitedly talking about how much we hated the game and, in an act of unmitigated perversity, came up with a setting and characters for a spectacularly low magic setting, which was utterly inimical to Doombo's entire approach with the intent to try to sell it to him as the premise of the next week's session. While we found it hilariously entertaining, and even played these characters in two subsequent campaigns because we liked them so much, it doesn't perhaps bear saying that the next campaign lasted just one session. In the years to come, in our extended gaming circle, the term Doom Vortex came to be linguistically shorthand for any game where the railroading became too frustrating or degrading. Though, in fairness, none of them would ever approach the sheer crappiness of THE Doom Vortex, which in time we have come to regard as one of the most unintentionally funny campaigns ever, just for how hilariously awful literally every single thing about it was. Oof, so many red flags and terrible decisions were made by the DM. Have you ever been caught in a Doom Vortex? Was I perhaps a little too over the top with a stringent matter of facts and an annoying player to deal with? Please tell us of your experiences and comment your reactions below. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, All Things DD. Our next video will be posted in 3 days, so stay tuned for more amazing Dungeons & Dragons content!